0: Video designed just for you.
1: Welcome to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Pullis, and this week I'm talking to Jeannie Hoogan-Brook, who blogs as Gardening Jones and also wrote The Gardener and the Cook with her husband, who is cook. And Jeannie was with us a little more than a month ago talking about gardening, and today we have some great news to share with you. Jeannie is going to be our newest host on America's Web Radio. Her new show is called Everyday Self-Sufficient with Gardening Jones. Good morning, Jeannie. Welcome good morning, to America's Darryl. Web it's Radio. Good morning, to Thank you so much. Well, you did such a super job that I just figured that you would be a natural, and David agreed, so um, we're all set here. Um, I'm intrigued by the name. How did you choose it?
2: Well, I, I, I see a lot of sites that talk about prepping and living off the grid, and, and that's great, you know, but for some people it's very intimidating, I think. But I think at the same time they would like to do something. They would like to be a little bit more self-sufficient than they are right now, whether it's raising chickens, maybe they're thinking about getting a backyard flock, or maybe they want to learn how to can. So I wanted it to be a show that was for everybody, you know, that if you're not doing anything at all to be self-sufficient right now, there's something you can learn that you can easily incorporate into your life without it being a major
1: lifestyle change. Is self-sufficiency near and dear to your heart? It
2: is, and I think as I, I get older and as I learn more about the state of affairs <laughs> in the world and about our food supply, I'm I becoming more and more self-sufficient. I, I didn't start out with that intention. I started out, can I, mean, I grew up with people canning in the house, mostly just jam, but um, I became more self-sufficient really as a lifestyle change for the health of my children, you know, to get some of the junk out of their food. and, and So that's when I started canning and I started gardening. But over time, it's become more and more, and the more information I learn, especially about the food supply, the more concerned I get about what's in our house and the more I want to get those things out of my diet. At the same time, my husband um, has started doing things as well. He's reading a lot of, of magazines and a lot of information online about, he's more concerned about what's going on in the world and, and what could happen down the line. You know, we've survived Y2K and the zombie apocalypse and all this stuff that Uh people were saying was going to be an issue. But he says, I mean, there is a possibility that we might need these skills. And if if people like us and other people don't preserve the skills, then they're going to go by the wayside. So if nothing else, we'll be passing on, you know, some – Lessons for people to know that if I want to do this, I can do it. easy. Canning is not something to be afraid of. You know, growing your own food is not as difficult as some people make it seem. So that's that's a lot of it there.
1: Now, do you do other? I know you keep chickens and you garden. Um, is there? Do you have you gone into any of the um, skills like like home building or building root cellars or anything like that? We, um, actually
2: we did. We built our own greenhouse. We, um, we don't have a, a cellar, a basement. We built what we called a cold holding closet, which is basically we built a closet in a room, uh, that's in the corner of the house that gets more cold. That's our laundry room. So it's not as heated. And then we put a vent on the outside so we can let the cold air in in the winter. And we lined it with, um, insulation and that's where we can store all of our, our root crops and our squashes and stuff over the winter and we can moderate the, the temperature by opening and closing the vent. So um, it, it, it was very inexpensive. We used leftover wood for the most part and we were paneling the inside of that room anyway, so we just did the outside and paneling. And we've done other things like that. We Both of our chicken coops that we have right now, we built ourselves the raised beds we built ourselves. You know, But there's other skills as well. We we make soap and we make our own our own laundry detergent and toothpaste and a lot of things like that, mainly for the health reasons of it, but it also saves money. The laundry detergent saves a lot of money when you make your own. It's incredible how inexpensive it is when it's homemade and how well it works and you don't get all that perfumey stuff that a lot of people are allergic to anyway. So you've got paying for something that you don't want, and you're getting something that's actually going to do a better job cleaning your clothes. I think we've become so accustomed to grab that bottle of Tide or you know buy that bar of Irish Spring or whatever it is because of advertising that we don't realize that soap is just soap. You don't have to have Irish Spring. You don't have to have Safeguard that that kind of thing. You can just have soap and get very clean with it. And a plain laundry soap and get your clothes very clean with it. So we've tried to get away from a lot of that stuff, and plus I really don't like going to the store. So it's a benefit of not having to go grocery shopping.
1: I'm not fond of going to the grocery store, but I really like to go into hardware stores and bookstores. Those are my downfalls.
2: Oh, yeah. Farm and garden
1: I, supply store. Oh, yeah, sure. They're, they're wonderful, wonderful stuff. and you get, they, they have so many things that give you ideas when you go into a store like that. And speaking of ideas, are you going to be talking about, like, making your soap, and is that going to be one of your episodes? We're going
2: to, yeah, we're going to try to cover the gambit, really. Um, I've been lucky to have a number of people offered to be interviewed, some of them like uh, Annie Haven, you might know from Haven's brand Muputi, and she's been on, on podcasts before. Uh, Mike the Gardener is offered to be on, and he has his own podcast. So now we're tr- I was on his, now he's going to be on mine. We're turning the tables like you and I right now. Um, and then there's some people that have never been on a show, but they're, they're living the lifestyle that this way, whatever they're doing. They're, um, I spoke to a woman yesterday, Leslie from um, California, who gave us the recipe for a master tonic that you can make mostly from what you grow in your garden and keep yourself healthy all winter long, not get the flu anymore. Uh, another woman that's going to be talking to me actually gave me the recipe for the toothpaste, so she'll be sharing that, and we'll post it, of course, and to share with everybody. So yeah, that's the that's the kind of thing we want to do: simple, easy, everyday, self-sufficient. <laughs> you know what you can do. You don't have to have a a bug-out bag or or a bunker to run to. I mean, that's great if you do, but this is stuff that that anybody can do, and actually will save them money at the same time. It'd be a healthier lifestyle, and it'd be less expensive.
1: And with the economy not recovering like it's doing, I guess that's really critical for everybody, whether or not you're a do it, regular do-it-yourself. Because I, I go to the store sometime and I look at what um, people have in their grocery carts and they're they're checking out with, you know, $120 worth of stuff. And most of it isn't food.
2: Yeah. I was there today, unfortunately. <laughs> I had to stop. We went after we bought it. But I was like reading the mayonnaise bottles, and I just put it back on the shelf. It's like I don't—I'll find another way to make a tuna salad than with mayonnaise because I just didn't want all the stuff that they're they're putting in there. Of course, I can make my own mayonnaise. I have chickens, I so I have fresh eggs. I just make my own instead. And it's it's hard sometimes to give up the convenience. But you're right. It's it's not food. It, it's but somebody said, it, it looks like food, and we think it's food, but it really isn't food, and it, and it isn't. And that's something that my husband and I talk about a lot because we we remember what food was like 30 years ago or even, you know, 40, 50 years ago when we were kids. It was different than it is now. You know, there were no TV dinners. There was no instant mashed potatoes. You could go to the store and buy a whole chicken, and now not around here. You can't. You can only buy the parts. Huh.
1: I haven't tried to buy a chicken in a long time, so I so I don't know. But I was reading something that Michael Pollan had written for Mother Earth News some time back. Somebody had posted a link on Facebook, and I will probably post this link on America's Homegrown Veggie Show. And he made the point that as recently as two or three generations ago, it was typical for every family to grow at least a portion of their food in some form. Uh, and... And then he was talking also about um, half the fresh produce consumed in America during World War II came from Victory Gardens. And we had LaManda Joy on um, last year or earlier this year, and she was talking about the um, Victory Garden movement in Chicago and how she's reviving that. And it's amazing. I didn't realize until she mentioned it that, most of the people in Chicago had not grown their own food, and the cities had um, had classes to teach people how to grow their own food. That had never occurred to me, that city, you know, I, I just kind of figured that everybody gardens, but, I, you know, I grew up out in the country, and, and so we did garden. But everybody can learn to garden a little bit, and the food is, you're right, it's so much different. I remember when TV dinners first came out, and everybody would gather around the tv dinner to watch disney on a little tiny black and white television set and it and and that was it was so different from the norm that that was a real treat but now that kind of stuff is really common and i'm surprised sometimes i, I was in the grocery store and i had to get some beans and a lady was complaining about the cost of the canned beans and I said, Well here's you know, a bag of dry beans is it's a dollar seventy nine and for a pound and you could make a lot of beans with that. She'd never never cooked beans before. Hmm. That's something, isn't it? That is
2: something. It, I, I, I I grew up the same way you did, you know, assuming that people knew how to grow their own food or at least at least tomatoes. If nothing else. Everybody grew tomatoes and probably green beans. But it's, it's impressive how many don't know, but what's more impressive to me is how many people want to know. And that's what I found on social media. is There's so many people who are new to gardening and asking questions and trying to find out the information and sharing their failures and success, you know, as well, patting each other on the back and saying good job. But it it, it's, it, it warms my heart <laughs> to see somebody say, you know, I want to learn how to garden. I always think that's just a wonderful saying something new, my, my daughter gardens, my son gardens, and uh, friends of mine are starting to garden, I guess because I'm such a maniac, and I keep sort of shoving seeds on them <laughs> at the same time, you know, in tins. But I, I love it. I love seeing everybody go back to the way things were, as you said, the victory gardens and, and the garden in everybody's yard. That was the norm.
1: And I think it's so important, especially now, because we live a much more sedentary lifestyle. We're busy. We... Um, you know, we're not out exercising like a lot of, like when I was a kid, we would just be running around the, the neighborhood anytime there was not school. We'd be out there from, from morning until dinnertime, and now kids aren't getting that, and I think they really need to have a healthier diet to help compensate, and working in the garden is good for you, too.
2: It is it, and you learn a skill that will keep you fed for the rest of your life you know you even if you don't do it from the time you're 17 to the time you're 32 which might happen um you know if, when you're 32 and you realize you know i think i need to go back to that you have the skills to be able to do it you know how to plant a green bean and when it's ready to harvest or, or when to pick a tomato so i think that's a good thing
1: i think you're right and as you say it's a life skill you learn it and it's with you forever um, and, and you can pass it on. And if the worst ever does happen, um, you know, and we the grocery stores shut down and there are, and you know, all sorts of horror scenarios about why and how that might happen, but even if, if that does happen, you'll be able to grow your own food.
2: Exactly. I mean, even if it's just something as simple as, Um, But, you know, we lose our power. Sometimes the grocery stores have to close. You know, that's not an issue for us because we do have the canned goods on the shelves. We've got it covered.
1: Yeah. We're going to have to take a little break right now, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about about canning stuff and how much food you have in the pantry and all sorts of cool things like that. We'll be right back after this break.
0: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com
1: anytime you like.
0: I'm Pat Rulo, hostess of Speak Up and Stay Alive Patient Safety Radio, heard on America's web Radio every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Now you and your loved ones can
2: stay safe from little-known health care and hospital hazards. Join me Thursdays at 9 a.m. or listen to my podcasts on americaswebradio.com.
0: For more information, visit speakupandstayalive.com. This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Pulis, and my guest today is author and blogger, and soon to be another radio star. Her name is Jeannie Hugenbrook, and she writes as Gardening Jones. And she's starting her new show right here on America's Web Radio called Everyday Self-Sufficient with Gardening Jones. And right before the break, we were talking about canning. Now, and, and. yeah, canning can be kind of intimidating for people if they've never done it, but all you have to do is get USDA or your local cooperative extension service booklets and follow the directions, right?
2: It, right, and it's, it's very simple to do. I would recommend any of the ball canning books they have. Even the, the magazines that they put out have a step-by-step guide in to show you how to water bath can. And if you go into the pressure canning, which is a little bit more intimidating but perfectly safe, again, um, the, the, the pressure canner that you choose will have a step-by-step guide that walks you through it. So it, it's really not difficult to do, you know, as long as you can follow directions. But you do have to follow the directions. You do have to um, stick to the recipes. Unless you're a professional canner or a master canner, you don't want to alter the recipes at all. You, I, I don't really like all the canning recipes that are online, to tell you the truth. Um, People are advocating some stuff that I wouldn't necessarily feel is safe. I mean, it's their life, and they want to do what they want. But, like jar lids, for example, some people reuse lids from like spaghetti. What are the ragu? I don't even know the names of spaghetti sauce, ragu, spaghetti sauce. There's one of them that comes in a jar that looks like a canning jar. I really wouldn't recommend people do that. I would stick with a brand new ball lid and the ball rings. But especially in the beginning, until you know what you're doing, it's very important to follow the directions.
1: I, I can't imagine reusing a ring because if you look at the underside of the lid, or not the ring but the, the lid, because if you look at the underside of the lid after you take it off, after you can, it's all compressed. The, the sealing part of it is, well, it, it's compressed to make the seal on there, and it's deformed, and I can't see how you would ever get a good seal with that ever again.
2: Well, I I actually used to reuse lids up until about four years ago. I would never use um, a manufactured lid from a, a jar of something else, which is what I'm talking about, like a peanut butter jar lid or a mayonnaise jar lid. I would never use anything like that, but I, I used to reuse the lids because but there were some older women who had been canning a lot longer than I, and, and they laughed when I told them I bought put on a new lid every time I used it, but in the last few years, the Ball Canning Corporation has changed how they make the lids to the point where they used to say, boil them or simmer them first before you use them. The the sealant that they use, I don't know if they're using less or a different formula, but it's only good for one seal, and they don't even want you to boil the, the lids anymore. They just want you to use a, a new clean lid, wash it in soapy water, but don't heat it because you could lose the seal that easily. I, a lot of people are complaining. They're saying that this stuff doesn't seal as well, and I found that on a couple of occasions. Um, I think Ball is working on it. I'm not sure, but um, I would never reuse a lid at this point, and certainly never use a lid that was manufactured on, by a different company for a different product. But people do it, and they they will tell others, you know. This is what I do, and for me, if it, it, it's not recommended, as you said, by the USDA or if it's not like in the ball canning book, I wouldn't follow anybody else's advice. And I actually was a licensed canner, so I do know a lot about it. We used to, When we had our restaurant business, I used to can and sell homemade jams and jellies and, and things like that. So I do know about it, but I wouldn't recommend to anybody to read. When I see a mayonnaise jar lid or a I I just like cringe because it's just taking too much of a chance. I mean, yes, the most obvious is is it comes unsealed and your food spoils, but there's more that can happen if you mess around with it, and I'm sure you know about that, too. So sometimes there's food can be bad and you don't know it. Just follow the directions oh, yeah. and you're good. I don't mean to scare anybody. <laughs> but, you know, if you follow the directions, the recommendations, you're fine, and it, it's really easy, and it's, i don 't know if there 's anything more satisfying than walking out of the kitchen and hearing the little jars going ping
1: ping and the heel oh, yes.
2: it 's wonderful
1: and and looking at them in the pantry afterwards, all lined up all of the jars of food that you 've grown or that you have maybe gotten in a farmer 's market and canned yourself, but going back to this lid thing, what stopped me from reusing lids because of course I was you know I was a frugal young homeowner. And what I found that too often when I would reuse lids, um, I wouldn't get a good seal. And then you have to go back and do it again or use the food right away. And when you're processing 50 pounds of tomatoes just about every night after work, you don't want to have to go through that work again. That's for sure.
2: And in some things like, like jelly, it could actually ruin the set. I mean, it could have a negative impact or, or jam on the set if you put it back in the can. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, just play it safe and, and get a new lid. They're not that expensive, certainly much less than, you know, buying the stuff at the grocery store already canned.
1: Yeah, and you had mentioned um, master canners. And for those of those of our listeners that have been listening before, they've heard Joe Lample and I mentioned Teresa Lowe. Teresa works with Joe with uh, Growing a Greener World TV, and um And she is also a master canner, and she's got a wonderful, wonderful website where she also goes step-by-step, and she's got podcasts and uh, just a wonderful wealth of of information. And she also, unlike a lot of the – some of the books that I've had tell you why not to do things, but a lot of them don't. And she will tell you why this isn't a good idea, just in case you think that you can you know, shortcut it, too. So, I think that's a great I, thing to tell people why. Yeah, because you don't, you know, I wouldn't have known about the lid thing except that, um, you know, except that I I started, I was having canning failures. And, you know, you lose so much of the quality. As you mentioned, with the jams and jellies, you can just completely lose your gel if it's over-processed. But with some of the other stuff, you know, if you're over-processing fruit, it just gets all mushed. That's for sure.
2: (laughs) They've never done that. (laughs) So taste the same, you know, it's a good excuse to get some ice cream. (laughs) But, yeah, you know. But canning really is is easy to do. When I was growing up, my parents would can pretty much just jam. And uh, if we had a good peach year, then the house would smell like peaches. Or if it was a good plum year, then we would have plum jam for the whole year. And they used the method where they sealed it with wax, with the paraffin which they, they totally do not recommend anymore. I mean, part of it was the, the reason it worked was because jam and jellies are so high sugar content, and sugar is in itself a food preservation um, medium, I guess you would say. It's one of the things you can preserve food and sugar. I once preserved lemons, Meyer lemons, by just sticking them in sugar and, and covering them up, and they didn't have to be processed, and they were shelf-stable. So sugar is a medium. So the wax kind of worked. But there were times where we'd pull back the wax and there would be all, like, mold in there and, and the product had um, gone to waste. And now I would, wouldn't tell anybody to, to use that. But the other things, like tomato sauce and stuff, that I had to learn how to do myself. I, I saw it as a kid with my when I was a little, little I saw what my great-uncle had processed. But I just went out and I, I went to the library because there was no internet then, and I got a used ball canning book and I wrote down the directions and I taught myself how to do it. And A lot of times you'll find it like in pectin too or, or um, if you buy spices for pickling, sometimes we'll give canning recipes there or tell you how to go about it. But um, it really was not a difficult thing to learn. I'm no rocket science, uh, scientist and I'm able to can pretty much everything we grow that can be canned, that, that will hold up. I'm not a big fan of pressure canning. Mainly, I just don't like the result of it too much. Um, I don't, don't mind doing it. I just don't really care for the result. For those foods generally that you had pressure can, I have a tendency to freeze them or dehydrate them instead.
1: I tend to agree with you there, though. I do have a pressure canner, and I, I used to use it, but again you know with the pressure canner the food comes out a little bit more over processed than i would like but we're at elevation here and so the the time required for uh, canning in a water bath canner was prohibitive and it wasn't necessarily safe we're not very high up but you always worry about that and it used to be that they would you know that the old wives would say, well, just keep cooking it, honey, until, you know, until the water is boiled for a really long time. But then they found out, um, research found out, that that's a good way to create anaerobic conditions in your containers and be more likely to lead to botulism.
2: Yeah. You, you definitely don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of these people, um, years ago, they did it. They grew up doing it, you know, so they did what their mothers did and what their grandmothers did, or in often cases, it was the men. It was In my family, it was the men that had the tendency to do the canning, but it's really best to go with what's been proven, you know, and, and I think in today's world, even when you're buying stuff from the farmer's market, when you go it yourself, you know exactly what it's gone through, but even when mm-hmm. you're buying it from the farmer's market, you're not entirely sure, so... Just stick to the rules and, and you know, you'll be fine. <laughs> that's what I tell people. Just read what it says in the book and do what it says and just follow that. And you're, you're fine. It's
1: yeah. easy. And I w- would. what would you recommend people can first? I think they ought to start with jams and jellies and pickles. How about you? I,
2: I think that's a really good idea. I, I do. Um, I actually started with tomatoes myself. And um, what I found is I, I can't look, So i I'd definitely show my age. I used to go to the farmers' farmers market and get a bushel of tomatoes for three dollars. Okay. <laughs> know, yeah, those were the days. And then I would can them. But I found that every almost every single jar that I canned, I was turning into salsa, or I was turning it into tomato sauce, or you know, I was turning into um, tomato juice or soup or something else. So I don't actually can tomatoes, but anything acidic like that or sweet, as you say, the sugars and jams are very sweet and they're easy to can, and anything acidic. Like tomatoes, if they're good, old-fashioned acidic tomatoes, not the yellow ones or the new ones. The old heirlooms are better, the more acidic. Or pickles. Pickles are super simple to make and fun, really a lot of fun.
1: And you can make so many things turn into pickles too I, i'm always amazed when i see another recipe for something other than you know people think of pickles as being cucumbers but you can make zucchini relish and you can make um, pickled peppers and all kinds of and, and pickled okra and pickled okra for those people that think okra ooh, pickled okra is not slimy it's oh, really? very nice and crisp, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can do that, and it's it's relatively inexpensive, and with pickles, you don't really need a whole lot of equipment. It's not like, you know, you're going to be cooking potato, processing potatoes or something like that and needing a pressure canner. Now, you mentioned the, the yellow tomatoes. The, they have also, one of the things that they found is yes, there are some tomatoes now that aren't as acidic as the ones that we used to have, the old-fashioned ones, but a lot of the tomatoes that claim to be low-acid or taste like they're not acidic, actually it's masked by sugar. But it's you're still wise, it's a good thing not to mess with Mother Nature when you're doing that. You just don't right. know. I remember when they first started talking about that, and before, I started canning before they recommended putting in a little vinegar or citric acid in with your tomatoes. And that's I think that's a handy thing for people, even if they don't have really strongly acidic tomatoes. As long as they remember, don't use bad tomatoes.
2: You know, Every old bad
1: produce. Back, back in the old days, we just cut off the bad spots and process it anyway. But they've found now that that can lead to all sorts of bacterial contamination and, and yucky stuff. We don't want to scare people, but we just want to have them, have them do it right so they don't. They don't hurt themselves and their family. We're going to have to take a little break again, but um, when we come back, I'd like to talk about do you stock up for years' worth of food or do you just keep one season's food? We'll be right back with America's Homegrown Veggie Show right after this.
0: Visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. This week I'm talking to Jeannie Hugenbrook, who blogs as Gardening Jones and is starting a brand new show here on America's web radio, and it's called uh, Everyday Self Sufficient with Gardening Jones. And now we we were talking right before the break about canning. And what is your philosophy on storing canned foods? Do you keep a whole lot on hand or just enough to get you through one winter, or what do you do? I you know we try
2: to have enough to last us two years. Um, it doesn't always work that way. This year is a good example, but um, that way, if the following year we don't have a good harvest, we're still got that winter covered. and if we do have a good harvest, then we'll probably, the next year we'll plant a little bit less, you know, so that we we keep it so that we, we have a constant supply that we can get through two winters' worth at the very least, which would give us two summers to make up for it if there's an issue. Uh, Part of what we do, too, is we we dehydrate, and that really helps a lot because it takes up so much less space. So even though we have, you know, salsa in canning jars, we'll have dehydrated tomatoes, a lot of them in a, in a, a tall jar, but it holds like a whole case's worth of, Tomatoes, so that we can then we grind them and make soup out of them, or we can uh, grind them and make sauce, or whatever it is that we need in case we do run out. So we do both, because mainly because of the space issue, we we don't have a basement. Where our attic isn't really, it doesn't have a floor. <laughs> it's really so we can't use it yet. It's it's relatively new, so this really it's a space issue more than anything else. And I have had years where um, I didn't plant more tomatoes than we could just eat fresh because I still had so many tomato products on the shelf. Those are the good years. There's been years like this year that we're going to have to get by on what we have because we didn't have a good tomato year. And we're just going to plant a lot more tomatoes next year to make sure that we get, hopefully get, two years' worth of tomato products. So just a little bit of management in it, but it's really not as complicated as it might sound to somebody who's listening because you get used to it. You know, you, you look in, in the cupboard or you look in the pantry and you see what's there plan the garden accordingly. You know, this year we're going to put in about 80 tomatoes. We normally only grow 30. So we're going to hopefully make up for last season, and we'll be back on track.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what I did, too. Um, I dr- dried some stuff. I had a big chest freezer, so I made use of that. But, you know, in the early days when we first moved here, we did, our electrical supply wasn't all that reliable. If a dark cloud. We were so far out in the country that if, you know, a storm took out a power line or, or you know, some driving, buddy driving drunk down the road or something like that – We were kind of the last people to get power back. And that's one of the reasons why I aimed for more canning and drying, too, besides the space limitations. But what people really don't want to do is have stuff that gets really, really old. We were talking during the break, and I mentioned it. When we were um, cleaning out the crawl space, we discovered a case of tomatoes from, like, 1984. That's That's just wasteful. You know, you waste all the energy and the time and your resources to do that and have it go to waste. So do you keep, a, do you keep a like, a ledger or something like that, or, or do you just have everything where you can see it right out in front of you?
2: Well, I, um, I don't keep a ledger for the canned goods. I, we have um, an old-fashioned baking cabinet, so it has a lot of shelves in it that we can store the canned goods on. But whenever cool. I can them, when they cool, not only do I write on the lid what it is, I write the year that I can Sure, You know, because you think you're going to remember. <laughs> don't don't rely on memory because you're not going to remember. After a while, you forget, was this last summer or was that the summer before? But, um, and, and then, like I said, we, since we don't have an attic or whatever, the stuff is pretty easy to find. You know, we have stacks of canning jars, and I write on the boxes what they are, so I don't have to move, you know, four boxes to find out that that's, Beans and not tomatoes after all or whatever. But, um, you know, I I think part of it, too, since we were in the restaurant business, um, turning product over is is kind of second nature to us. So when you you can something new, you put that in the back or you put that on the bottom so that it, it doesn't get used before the older stuff. I think the USDA recommends, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's two years for canned goods, probably about the same for dehydrated, though I've heard people say, you know, six, seven years for dehydrated. Ours never last that long. I know it's one year for herbs, which is, is unusual, because I would bet by the time you buy the ones in the stores, they're probably already a year old, at least. Some of them look, there's no color left when you buy them, but so we try to do that. Every year, we're pretty much assured that we're going to get a fresh supply of the herbs that we grow, so When we do them, we either give away what we have or we make sure to use it up. Or we toss it, you know, it is a waste, but it's basically
1: dried dried up weeds. (laughs) So it's not (laughs) a major waste. It it feeds the compost pile just fine, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. I do agree with with herbs. They they do lose quality fairly quickly. But I think a lot of it depends on how you're drying them, too. If you're drying them in the dark, in a cool spot, or whether you're um, putting them in the dehydrator, and then, of course, how you store it. Because one year I used just plain old plastic bags. They were awful. Yeah. They were just they were what a big disappointment. And you know, even though they were freezer bags, and you'd figure that they would be moisture resistant, they just didn't. They lost their flavor really, really quickly. But when when
2: I don't, not a lot of people use their dehydrators to dry herbs. Which, other than basil, I. Even basil. I, I really don't understand it because um, I guess I'm, I'm just simplistic <laughs> in my methods. But I just take a brown paper, like, grocery store bag, and I tie the bottoms of the stems of the herbs, and I put them face down right in the bag and hang it on the wall. And I, if they look beautiful if you hang them up without the bag, but then you might find cobwebs in them, and they're going to start, they Somebody walks by and some of the herbs fall on the counter. When you're, the first year I tried to hang them up, I had dill all over my kitchen counter, and I thought I was going to put it down. And I was getting wasted, too. So now I just use the brown paper bags. And when they're they're dry, which doesn't take long, we store the majority of them um, in the t- real tall canning jars that, that you can't really can in. We also use mm-hmm. them for dehydrating and just put them in, in the, the back room in the dark and... Keep a small supply. We keep them by the stove. I know you're not supposed to. <laughs> you're not supposed to keep them by the heat, but that's really the only place we have right now, and we're doing a little bit of remodeling. So when we could move them away from the – well, actually, we're moving the stove. We're not moving the herb um, spice racks. But, um, yeah, a, a year is good, and you've seen it. If you ever find – like you found the tomatoes, it's been times I found herbs, and it was like, what even was this? Because you can't, can't smell it anymore, and you can't tell by looking at it what it was. So a year is good for herbs, and, and it's not hard to keep them coming in every year, even if you use a lot. And if you're cooking at home, hopefully you, you are using a lot. But you can get a lot of sage out of a, a one simple five-gallon bucket and a oh, lot of yeah. mint and oregano, I mean, more than you can even use. And some of the herbs, too, I don't know if, if people realize, and this is on the our recipe blog, you can make your own um, herbed vinegars, uh, you can um, even extracts, you can take... Mint that you grow and just um, infuse it in alcohol like vodka, and you've got really tasty mint extract, much better than anything you're going to buy in the store. And they're so expensive at the stores. We even will buy vanilla beans and make our own vanilla extract, and it's it's so simple to do. You just you put it in alcohol, put a the, the lid on the jar, and put it in a cold
1: dark cool dark place, and you're, you give it a couple of weeks, and you've got extract. And you know where it came from too. Well, exactly. not in the case of your vanilla bean, you know, because we yeah, don't, well, yeah, you don't know where the vodka <laughs> we, but, but. we don't grow, grow our own vanilla beans. No, you, you <laughs> could. I mean, they're, they're just orchids, but you know, it, it's not one of the things that most people do. Now, what what do you think is the easiest thing for a gardener to grow in the way of herbs? I think my my favorite or my easiest ones, I think, are basil, parsley, and thyme, um, though. Basil. a lot of people lately have been having problems with the, with the mildew that's been killing them off.
2: Huh. That I never had. I would, I would say um, mint for me, and in, everything in the mint family, which includes lemon balm and oregano, they're all related. They're, at least here, we're in northeast Pennsylvania, and it's considered an invasive plant here. We, the only reason we can keep our oregano at bay that my husband put in the ground, heaven forbid, is he mows over it because <laughs> nothing will kill it. So he mows where it's stretched out and he keeps this one long strip, which looks gorgeous and smells gorgeous when you go out to get it. But, um, and mint just here, it reseeds itself. Even dill for years I thought was a perennial because it just kept growing on its own. But um, dill can be a little bit more difficult. So a lot of people have problems with um, parsley and with cilantro, especially cilantro bolting, but
1: um, mint I don't think you could not grow. It, you can't get rid of it. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> That's for it sure. It in I, the I don't recommend people planting mint just for that reason because it's very difficult to get rid of unless you're growing it in a container sunk in the ground, and even then you have to be vigilant because it wants to stick its little roots out. You know, you mentioned dill being difficult sometimes. Um one of the things that I've always found is that if I don't start dill directly in the ground, just pretty much throw in the seeds down, just like Mother Nature would have done, it. If you try to grow it in, in a pot and then transplant it, it almost always suffers along the way. And with cilantro, yeah, cilantro grows in the spring and the fall, and in the summer you just enjoy the dried stuff. But I just let I just let mine reseed, and and it. Pops back up, and I just made a a big old pot of of black bean soup with some fresh cilantro in it the other day mm. and nice. you know and the winter winter is not kind to it here it will survive over the winter time and then it will bloom in the springtime. I don't know that it would survive the winter up where you are though no I, it does
2: it doesn't and um, i actually I think we talked about this I think the last time i we spoke, but I gave up on cilantro. I grew something called papalo this year, or P-A-P-A-L-O. I still haven't looked up the pronunciation. And it tastes like a, a cross between cilantro and lime. More cilantro, but it just has a, a little bit of citrus. I just—I am in love with this herb. I, <laughs> it, it got to be about a little over four feet tall. So I not only do I have a full year's supply, I'm giving it away to people. Um, it can be eaten fresh when it's young. The flavor is very intense. You use significantly less than you would use of cilantro. And we cooked some fish with it the other night and we made, um, got a mango, threw a mango in the ninja and a, a, a hot pepper, a hot dried cayenne, a little bit of honey, and um, put in some of the papalo and just made like a sauce to put on the fish. It was just absolutely delicious and so simple. Yeah, and this so, you get so much out of the The hard hardest part about it is is growing it, getting it started. Once you get it started, don't try direct seeding. Once you get it started, you go to the website at this direction. Um, then once that's it, you're good to go, and it will get. It can get to be six feet
1: tall. Can you imagine having that much <laughs> of a curve <herb> of anything. <laughs> no, I can't. Is it? Is it? Does it tend to get soapy like cilantro does sometimes? Not that I have noticed at all. I mean, it, it's. When, whenever I use it,
2: it tastes the same as the, the, as soon as it was dry the first time. It's better dried than fresh. Fresh is it's a little too intense, I think.
1: That's interesting. I may give that a try. I, it's only recently that I've been able to tolerate cilantro and actually like it, and I discovered that one of the tricks seems to be if you cut it early in the day and it hangs around, it gets soapy on you, whereas if you just run out to the garden and snip a little bit and throw it in your pot, um, it it's fine. So I don't know really what's up with that. Now, you mentioned you mentioned it's on your website. We, we've got a few minutes in this segment. Tell people what your website is so they can write it down. And it's we'll gardeningjones.com.
2: Pardon me? It's gardeningjones.com slash blog is where that information is. And then we also have the recipes on
1: com. Okay, and I will of course put this up on our website, our Facebook page, so people will have it. We've got to take a little break right now, but we, I'd like to remind you that you can find America's Homegrown Veggie Show on Facebook. You can write to me through my website, Greenthrum dot com, as well as through America's Web Radio. We'll be right back after this.
0: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Hello, I'm Pat Rulo, hostess of Speak Up and Stay Alive, the voice for patient safety. Now heard every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. right here at americaswebradio.com.
1: back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Pullis, and with me this week is Jeannie Hugenbrook, who is going to be our newest host on America's Web Radio. Her show will be Everyday Self-Sufficient with Gardening Jones. And Jeannie, before the break, we were talking about drying herbs and things like that. One of the things that you mentioned was people had difficulty with parsley. What? I don't understand that one.
2: Difficulty with what? what? Parsley? Yeah. Oh yeah um that's just some people have told me that it just doesn't produce well for them yeah i mean i'm in touch with gardeners well, really all around the world mostly the united states but also canada and the uk and, and there's some people that have difficulty with things that i think are simple to grow and and that i have difficulty with are like are you kidding me you know <laughs> you can't kill that plant I was like well yeah actually i can kill that plant and i've done it a number of times but i, I find it fascinating uh not only just to hear stories from different geographies you know uh, i have a facebook friend who's in zone one and when she talks about gardening it's just unbelievable to me and then i have have friends that will say now I can't garden today it's too hot <laughs> it's like it's too hot. I mean, in the Northeast, if it's too hot, you're in somebody else's house in another region because it's not too hot here. yeah we—I think in my lifetime I've seen 100 degrees maybe four times. You know, it's just not something that happens where where we live. So yeah, some people have said to me that they have difficulty with parsley, and one thing I've experimented with, and I have not been able to grow so far, is um, parsley root. It, it actually grows like a carrot, and you use, you mm-hmm. use the bottom rather than the top. So I, that's something that I plan on for next year. Um, I tried it a couple times. I made the mistake I planted parsley root and parsley in the same container, which da. Uh, now you can't tell what you got, and when to pull it. You know so that didn't work <laughs> out too well. well. but we a learn, right?
1: Yeah, or, or do what I do. I just stick my finger down and poke around until I find something. That's I have not tried growing that myself. But I, I wonder with people that have said that they've had problems with parsley, if the plant gets stressed, if you buy it from a nursery and you try to buy a nice full pot and then you plant it, the plant is already stressed and it's likely to start flowering and go to seed on you. That's so fine, that out. may be, you know, when I hear people with problems with parsley, um, that's very often the case. And I made that mistake myself, and it, it made me crazy. So now what I do is I, if I am completely out of parsley, which really doesn't happen very often because I usually let it reseed, I'll buy a plant, and then at the same time that I buy a plant, I will start some seed. And then I'll start and just let it reseed the next year. Or I might buy two plants, you know, one one in one year and one in another. And then they, since they're biennials, they'll just go to seed for me. And that works until somebody comes along and, you know, bulldozes the garden or something like that. But I, I just thought I'd throw that out there. And Jeanie, what are you, what other topics are you planning for your new show? Well, I'm going to try to cover
2: just about everything. One of the guest that I'm going to be having on soon is a gentleman from the Arizona area, and he does hydroponics. But he does it in a way that's different. Well, a lot of people that do hydroponics have their own take on it. But he actually, um, I don't to say grows fish. He has fish, and he uses the, what's left from the fish. To mm-hmm. um, fertilize his garden and then he harvests the fish. But it's a lot more involved than, than that. Um, and in fact, he has a blog called The Mad Biomeer, so if anybody wants to check that out, you can get an idea. Uh, I'm doing as much reading as I can before I talk to him so that I have an understanding of what, he, what he's saying. Uh, there's, there's just so many things. Another friend of mine um, did a documentary on uh, fluoride in the water. You know, there's just so many different topics, different directions that this could go. I'm sort of like beside myself. I I find myself taking notes all the time on on different things that, that we can talk about. You know, we talk about some of the obvious ones, like how to save seed you know, the difference between heirlooms and hybrids and the difference between hybrids and and genetically engineered. There's a lot of those topics that we'll be covering as well. We're not going to get into the really heavy-duty stuff. We will not be talking about, you know, bug-out bags and, and hunkering down and that kind of stuff. But we will talk about building a chicken coop and we'll talk about, raising chickens, and uh, our first show, I actually interviewed my husband. I figured I can't talk the talk until I show him that I walk the walk, so we talked about what we do, and we talked about introducing new chickens into the flock and about canning and the food supply because he is in food service. and So it was all those topics and I've been um, I've asked uh, my Facebook friends and um, to message me and email me and they're coming up with a lot of wonderful ideas and I want to make it open so that anybody can email me in a question and every once in a while we'll just do a Q&A show and cover all the questions. If it hasn't been covered in another show, we'll, we'll talk about what they want to know because really this isn't a, about us. It's about everybody else. That's why it's everyday self-sufficient, because it's about the everyday person, the person living next door to you or down the street. What are they doing? You know, there's actually a person down the street that we're trying to figure out what they are doing. <laughs> They're building <laughs> a structure. And we can't figure out if it's a greenhouse or a chicken coop, but it's beginning to look more and more like a greenhouse. But I've never quite seen anything like it. It's, it's like, real, real tall and real narrow. So I'm going to have to go over and introduce myself to find out exactly what they're doing. Because oh, I'm sure. so fascinated by this structure. Every time we drive by, the tube is rubber it, You know, it's like, oh, they painted it. Ooh, they, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's that kind of thing. Because everybody does things their own way. And unless you're really living, like, New York City fast-paced lifestyle or that kind of thing that you you, know, you eat out all the time. And most people, I think, doing something. Even if it's just herbs on the windowsill, they're doing something in their lives to be a little bit more self-sufficient. So that's what we want to find out. What are people doing? And let's share that with everybody else. It is a social media world now. And might as well share as much information
1: as we can. I think that's a great idea because... I, you know, I pick very often. I will get a guest on because it's a topic that I want to know more about, and I learn so much. And I think we can all learn so much from one another uh, and share ideas and and things like that. You reused your canning jar lids, where I found that it didn't work, but. But maybe my technique wasn't as good, or maybe, um, maybe my frustration level was higher than yours, or, um, I, I don't know, but it's, it's interesting to see how people do, do different things. And I'm always fascinated too by people that keep chickens differently than I do. Um, I'm down to only three hens now because a raccoon actually, Four raccoons got into my chicken pen oh. and uh, took out most of my girls, but now you t- mentioned introducing chickens new chickens into another flock, and i had a darn always had the darndest time with that, even when I waited for the girls to to grow up enough to stand on their own so that 's something that I would like to know more about myself, not that I think i 'm going to get more chickens, but I want to know how other people do it. Now you're going to have to listen to the show. <laughs> I am going. going I am to going to that. have to listen. You'll have to. And are you going to be posting these topics on your blog or on your on your Facebook page or where can people go to, to, to find both. out?
2: Yeah, I'm going to do both. I'm going to um, put a, a tab on my blog that will be called America's Web Radio, and all the links can, will be up there. Uh, plus, I know America's Web Radio archives and for for people as well, so I'll put the main link up there. But um, on Facebook, I'll I'll be announcing it, and anything we talk about on the show, um, recipes or instructions, anything like that, I'll put on the Facebook page as well. So if somebody didn't take notes while they're listening to the show, maybe they're washing dishes or canning tomatoes or whatever they're doing, they can then go and find those instructions if they need them before the show is archived. So we try to keep it very active. And I've also been on Facebook posting links to self-sufficient blog posts and websites, for things that I have been finding interesting and getting a feel for what people like and what they don't. But I need more, you know, thumbs up on Everyday Self-Sufficient on Facebook so that people will see it since Facebook only allows so many, a certain percentage to see what you post. So make sure everybody go in there and give it a thumbs up.
1: (laughs) facebook 's um the way Facebook feed works it just it frustrates the heck out of me sometimes but it's it's what there is, but people do have to remember to go and check periodically because when the when the news feed when the news feed seems to change automatically and and, and and you change it up on the top left side, and then it will change itself back after a while. Well, I and so then, cool. I, you know, then I think, well, gee, you know, I haven't heard from her or him or, you know, this group in, in such a long time. And I go looking for it, and dang, they've been posting right along, but Facebook hasn't been to send it over to me. It, sometimes oh, well.
2: I post, put something up on Gardening Jones on Facebook, and then I get on as myself, and I don't even see it. And it's like it's not even showing it to me, you know, but then I realize I haven't done a thumbs up or I haven't done a comment on my own, so I'm not seeing it. And what that happens to other people, it doesn't matter who you are, if you know me or not, if you don't do like a thumbs up or a comment or something, eventually you're not going to see it. There is a way to to um categorize what you like. And I, I know I have it on Facebook and I forget to check it most of the time. But on the left hand side I forget what it's called, but there is a bar that you can make a category and put all the pages and things that you like in there. And then you just go back and, and gotta to remember to go back and look and see what they've posted. Or I should probably use that hashtag thing you know, what we used to call tic-tac-toe when we were
1: kids, and now it's the hashtag or the pound sign. But, the pound sign, you know. yes. yes. When I first heard of somebody mentioning the hashtag, and it was, of course, ages ago, I had to really think, what the heck are they talking about? And then I looked at it, and they said, oh, that's the pound sign. <laughs> and pound sign. And I'm, I'm such a dinosaur that recently I, I came across a Facebook post where where somebody had even make, made a joke on out Of it, you know, like you know, you're old when the hashtag was a pound sign. <laughs> so, yeah, oh I well. People say we used to play tic tac toe on that stuff there. You know, <laughs> uh uh-huh, Sure, Picking sure. the
2: dirt and a couple of rocks and.
1: <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you you did have my childhood, didn't you? <laughs> Playing tic tac toe <laughs> in the dirt.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, those. You didn't need much to entertain yourself when when we were kids. You know, you no. just, we, you just, we we learned just, how until to until the street lights came on.
1: We we learn to entertain ourselves really quickly, especially if you're a country kid. You have to. They're, you know, your mom isn't going to drive you to soccer and baseball and stuff like that. You might get driven to um, music lessons, or if your mother is like mine and she tried to make a lady out of me, she sent me to ballet. <laughs> but, you know, the tomboy just didn't wear off. We are about out of time for this week, Jeannie, but I am so glad that you're going to be joining us with America's Web Radio. I think it's going to be a blast, and I can't wait to hear your shows and what you're talking about, and I want to know what your husband has been doing around around your, your guard, farm and garden, too. So I'm going to be watching that show, and the show is going to be airing at noon on Saturdays, so you can listen here and then listen a little bit later. And Jeannie, tell everybody again where they can get hold of you with your blog and your Facebook and, and all that kind of good stuff.
2: Well, if, they, if they want to email a question to me, it's gardeningjones at yahoo.com. And just type in gardeningjones and I'm there. But the website is gardeningjones.com slash blog. The recipe blog is gardeningjones is recipebox.com. And we have a YouTube channel, Gardening Jones. (laughs) If nothing else, I'm consistent. And, you know, we're on on pretty much most of the social media groups. Um, I'm not real big on Twitter, and I still haven't quite figured out Google, but we're out there. But just gardeningjones at yahoo.com, email in your questions or your topic ideas. Or if you want to be on the show, just let me know.
1: That sounds like a whole lot of fun. And, of course, as usual, I will be putting these up on my Facebook page, um, the, the show's fa- Facebook page, America's Homegrown Veggie Show. And thank you so much for being with us. That's about all the time we have for today. Uh, we will be back talking more gardening next week right here on America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I hope you'll join
0: us. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.